Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. It's so good for us to be able to be together again. You can be seated in your living room, in your home, wherever it is. If you're in your car, I hope you're already sitting down if you're in your car. Uh, But we're going to just get right into the Word and have a great time this morning together. So uh, appreciate you guys. Love you. And it's so good to be able to be with you in this particular form. I'm going to continue a two-part series that we started last week titled, We Are the Church. Now, last week, We talked about the church in Acts, and we really laid a foundation for what it looks like to be the church. I love the phrase that Pastor Hector sort of deemed a number of weeks ago, the church goes on. The church goes on. And when I look at the book of Acts, that's what I see. I see the church going through a real, real, real challenging time, but the church is still moving on. You know, it's real interesting when we look at Acts, specifically at Acts chapter 2, Uh, we find that uh, what was going on in the church is kind of similar to some things that we're facing today. After the death, resurrection of Jesus, the Roman government wanted to do everything it could to disperse the church. They were a threat. Uh, They were dangerous to society, so they wanted to disperse the church. It was called the diaspora, and literally they wanted to scatter them all over the place. That's why it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that you'll be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But what I find in Acts chapter 2 is the church in Acts, listen to me now, the church in Acts becoming the church in in action. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled and so many wonders and signs were worked and performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, they may not have been together physically, but they were walking things out together spiritually. Remember that. And basically what happened is they were able to share their property and possessions, and everyone was able to get what they were in need of, anybody that had need. And so what we find is this. Every day, look at this now, every day they continued to get together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, And together they were with each other, glad with sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those that were being saved. He did that in the midst of the separation. They did that in the midst of dispersing. The diaspora, they did that in the midst of the Roman government saying, whoa, you guys being together is kind of freaking me out. Now, I know we're not separated because of the government the same way they were, but we're kind of separated nonetheless. But here's what happened. In the midst of their separation, they became the church in action. Let me show you how they did that. First of all, they had an unmistakable mission. They never forgot their mission. It wasn't confusing. It was very, very clear to them. And it's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
a really clear mission. And what's going to happen is this, guys. It's going to become very supernatural in your life. You're wondering now, i got to be the church in action. What does that look like? Well, first of all, it finds its basis in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's why I told you last week, I, I laid a challenge in front of you at the end of last week's message. Every day, start your day this way. God, put me in a divine moment. Put me in a divine opportunity. Put me in a situation to where the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to work through me. I'm just not going around looking for good things to do. Nothing wrong with that. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But not just doing that, but literally walking in the supernatural grace of Jesus as we work, work rather in our unmistakable mission that he's in strategy that he's laid in front of us. Look at number two. It's also personal. You will be witnesses. It's like I told you last week, there, you're going to be places I can't be. You're going to be a witness where Pastor Ron can't be. And I gave a lot of great examples to that last week, but it's very, very personal. You're going to go into your Jerusalem. You're going to go into your Judea. You're going to go in your Samaria, and you're going to be witnesses of the power of God. So it's personal. And also, as we've talked about a couple of times, it's geographical. Your Jerusalem is not mine. Your Judea is not mine. Your Samaria is not mine. Your Jerusalem may be your family. Your Judea may be where you work. Your Samaria may be your neighborhood. Yeah, and then you got other things that just happen during the course of the day because you're sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit. So it becomes very geographical. I love the phrase that I never heard it before until Pastor George used it years ago, divine appointment. A divine appointment that literally God sets something up for you to be used by his power. So it becomes very personal. So it's a remarkable, remarkable mission that we're on. Also, it's unrestrained movement. Look, guys, look at Pastor Ron, wherever you are, look at me. You can't stop it. Can't stop the power of the church and the body of believers that's moving through this society. Why? Here it is again. We look at it this way. Acts chapter 2, verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. Wonders and signs by you, believers of Jesus Christ. It's, it's just a, a movement that just cannot be stopped. You know, I find it, if I can say it this way, almost a little humorous. Through the years, beginning with what I told you all the way back before Easter, people, culture, society has done everything they can to try to stop the movement of the church. Hadn't succeeded hadn't succeeded, and it's never going to succeed. Why? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what's going to happen is you're going to go in culture. You're going to not just be the church of Acts, but you're going to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. You're going to be the church in action, and things are going to happen through you. Things are going to happen through you. And you know what? Let me tell you something. Don't judge whether it's big or small. You know, don't judge whether it's big or small. Just let God do His perfect work through you. And that's pretty big right there. And so what we got to understand is this, you know, here's a quote by Martin Luther. God really doesn't need my good works, but your neighbor does. Now I know that God propels us to good works. Nothing wrong with that. Does God need them? No, probably not. God is supreme. He can do whatever he needs to do. But God may not need my good works, but my neighbor does. You know, I was talking to Pastor Nathan, and I don't know if he's going to share this later as we get into the second part of this, 
but what's going on in his neighborhood with him and Stephanie, and just minister to me the aspect that he had of ministering to his neighborhood. And you know what? They need that. They need that. God may not need it. Your neighbor does. And then they had this remarkable strategy. Really simple. Look at this, guys. Really simple. Here it is. Everyone, everywhere, every day. That's a simple strategy. I don't have to come up with point one, point two, point three, point four as to what I'm supposed to do. I just need to be sensitive to that Holy Spirit power of Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two. Be sensitive to where God is directing me. And I may not get to, let me say it this way, everyone every day. I don't want to freak you out there, but I want to be sensitive to every moment of the day I have an opportunity to be the church in action. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about us being the church in action. Again, last week we laid a good foundation for you to be able to spring from that foundation to go from being the church in Acts to the church in action. And I want to make that practical because I know what you and I may do a lot of times and say, okay, Pastor Ron, man, I love that. Great idea. Great opportunity. How do I do that? Well, that's a valid question. And what I've done this morning is I've asked some really, really good friends of mine to help me out as we talk about the church in action and we make it practical. So let me join my friends over here, Pastor Jamie Chung Yu, Pastor Nathan Brantley, and Pastor Hector Gonzalez. And these wonderful gentlemen are going to help us out in figuring out what does it look like to be the church in action. Again, guys, I don't want this to be difficult for you. Be yourself. Be yourself, but take the wisdom that these guys are going to share and apply it to who you are in today's culture. So guys, thanks for being a part. I appreciate you. I love you. Thanks for taking the time to uh, let's help our church and motivate and inspire uh, the believers of the Rock of Gainesville with what it means to be what we've been talking about. So Pastor Hector, let me start with you. What does the church in action look like in our current culture? Well, thanks for having us here with you, Pastor Ron. It's a joy to partner with each other and to hear each other's hearts and thoughts. So I'm excited about this. I would say that the church in action can look like a lot of different things right now. I mean, you yourself have mentioned a variety of different things that the church is doing in our current season. Uh, you've mentioned uh, connect groups still getting together via Zoom calls. You've mentioned people picking up groceries for those who are at high risk. You've mentioned people even texting one another yeah. uh, thoughts and prayers um, as we're all going through this season. And I think um, it's the best approach is probably just to always be inspired by God's word mm. and to be led by his spirit, as you so eloquently said. And I think there's two driving inspirations um, that I believe to be helpful. And that's one, to love your enemy. Mm. And two, uh, especially as believers, as representatives of God's church, to love one another. Uh, first, let's take a quick look at love your enemy in the great story that happens in Acts chapter 9. Uh, it's the story of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Popular story, famous story. You know, Jesus shows up, blinds Saul, knocks him down to the ground, and says, hey, why are you persecuting me? Well, there's another guy in that story. His name is Ananias. Now Ananias is a believer in the city of Damascus and Ananias is the guy that God speaks to and tells him to go speak 
to Saul, who is up to that point, the guy who's arresting and killing Christians like Ananias. And so God speaks to Ananias and rightfully and understandably so, he hesitates. He's like, uh, God, what do I feel the need to remind you that Saul is the guy that's, you know, <laughs> arresting people who call upon your name like I do? Yeah. And so God's not bothered by that hesitation, mm. which is an encouragement, I believe, to us that if we're wrestling with something, we can go back and forth with God and he's not caught off guard by that. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother him. Yeah. It doesn't knock yeah. him off his throne. But ultimately, after that moment of hesitation, God reassures Ananias and Ananias goes and speaks to his enemy and he ends up praying for him. Now, the last time I checked, if, if you've ever seen a stranger in need and you've been compelled to go and maybe help in that need or serve in that need, you cannot do that without love. Ananias goes from, Lord, this guy is the guy who's going around doing terrible things all the way to Brother Saul. I'm Ananias. Mm -hmm. God sent me to you. Mm -hmm. He goes from terrible things Real. to Brother Saul. Mm -hmm. So Ananias has his own personal conversion experience too. Yeah. And I think that we should all be like Ananias, right? We should hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us, and we should respond like he did. Yes, Lord. Even if it's uncomfortable, God's not caught off. He's not taken aback by mm. hesitation or being uncomfortable. Our responsibility is to hear and obey, mm. to go and speak to those who are not like us, who don't think like us, who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, who don't believe like us. Mm -hmm. mm. I'm pretty sure that each of us have Facebook friends who don't look, think, act, talk, believe like yeah, we do. Yeah. And the charge is to speak to them in love yeah, right. because they need the gospel too, just as much as we needed the gospel. And you never know if your Ananias moment mm. could lead mm. to Paul-like mm. results in the life yeah. of someone else. So I would charge the church, love your enemy. Love those who are not like you. Love those who you might hesitate in approaching. Just be inspired by the word and be led by the spirit. And then secondly, I would say, love one another. And this is straight from Jesus's mouth to the church. He says in John chapter 13, excuse me, 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, so now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, loving each other within the church is huge. Yep. Mm -hmm. I cannot say that enough. It is huge. Jesus exemplified it by first loving us. Then he told us to obey this command, which our heart's response is, yes, I want to obey your life-giving words. And thirdly, he says that it puts out a powerful message mm. to a watching yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. And what's that message? That message is that we belong to him. Mm. Everyone wants to belong to something. And we know that belonging to Jesus is what we were created for. Yeah. Yeah. So we go and we love one another fiercely, genuinely, 
honestly, with vulnerability. Why? Because I believe that the church is brightest in the darkness. Hmm. When that kerosene lamp that is the church dials up the glow all the way up to love. Hmm. So I would charge the church, I would encourage the church, love your enemies and love one another. It speaks volumes. Yeah. Good stuff. You know, uh, and I'm going to just kind of segue off that loving one another because, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the church in action. And sometimes we, we get this focus of, you know, the church, the body of Christ, but it does become very individualistic, it becomes very individualistic. But I think that loving of each other propels those individual actions. Right. You know, we come together as a body and, and pastor preaches all the time. We come together as a body, we get edified. Then we go into our world. We go our, into our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but we have the confidence to be able to do that because we've come in here and been built up together. So Pastor Jamie, let's spring to sort of the indiv individualistic side. Uh, would you say that the action of the church in our current culture begins with the individual? And if so, kind of how does that work? What, what would you give the church some direction there? As, as we started kind of going into this, this topic and you started this, this series, um, one statement really jumped into my mind and from Galatians 5, 9 that, that Paul states, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? So a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And it was funny because it really rung through to me because I was had my bread maker at home and I threw some flour in there, started making a little bread at home. And at the end of the recipe, you put in this, you put in the, the yeast, which is the leaven. You know, you make a little well in there and you put it in there and that nice, tasty, crusty loaf of bread happens man you're making me rises right you know what i'm saying because of that little bit yeah. of yeast and um and throughout scripture when you look at it oftentimes when leaven has been referenced it's because of the corrupting influences of sin all right a small dose a small dose is still impactful in the negative long term when left unchecked um, so we see that that's the way that things have been and how it's been explained throughout scripture. So there's this large scale impact which begins with this small corrupting influence of sin. Well, Jesus does a beautiful thing is he not only gives vision for the kingdom, but then he also, I believe, prophetically speaks of what his restorative work would be in salvation because he mm -hmm. takes that very mm -hmm. thing, turns yeah. it on its head right. in Matthew 13, 33, and he says this, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till all was leavened. Yeah. So the kingdom would then be, he says, like that leaven that you put into a little bit of flour and it's going to go and go oh, and go good. until everything's yeah. leavened. Yeah, that's good. And again, it's twofold. He's saying this is how it's going to begin. It's going to begin at the small micro level and expand and grow mm. to where this impact mm. happens. But he's also underneath, if you read through it, he's saying, you know, this thing which has been stated oftentimes that leaven is going to have this corrupting influence. Well, I'm going to tell you that the impact of my people as they're changed and transformed on the individual mm. micro level, mm. they're going to have a global impact. Yeah, they're going to have good. an expansive impact. Because yeah. that's the thing about it. Like you, you put that leaven in that bread, if anybody's yeah. baked bread, you look, there's that rising process. Right. So you're like, well, you might not even realize that this is taking place, that this impact is being had, but the influence is growing and growing and growing. And then the smaller levels, you might be like, man, it, what's God doing? Is anything happening here? But he's doing a work because he's beginning there in the transformative work of the individual. 
And then that individual impacts their family, that individual mm, impacts yeah. their community. And yeah. then you see, wow, a global impact happens. And that begun with a small band of believers back in the yeah, day. Come on now. Yep. It yeah. can't be any different today right, yeah. that we yeah. in our individual space will then have an impact because we've been personally transformed by the gospel. And then we go into our spaces with that, continuing to leaven yeah. and impact the surroundings we have. Wow, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. And, and I don't want to re-preach by any means, but, on, but uh, <laughs> when you were talking about that, I couldn't help but think of that, uh, that illustration we use a lot of times about yo yogurt. Yogurt is a culture, mm -hmm. and it makes us feel better from the inside out. All right. Kingdom culture gets in the darkness and changes from the inside out. Oh. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what he's talking about, about the force of an individual that uh, doesn't have to take on the huge responsibility, but it starts small. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger because we all fulfill our responsibility. So, Pastor Nathan, and I've already kind of referred to you a little bit, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but so you share what's on your heart. Uh, in speaking of the individual, how important is our actions or our, our actions in culture? How uh, important is it for, for a believer and how a believer should approach acting in culture so that culture receives? What should our actions and our behavior look like a little bit there? Yeah, uh, that's, that's enough content for a book. <laughs> no, it's, um, but that's, that's what coming together as a church really kind of is all about, is about cultivating that answer, you know, in our Sunday morning gatherings, like totally equipping the church of believers to what does the transformed life look like? Um, I want to start off by reading Proverbs 22, verse 1. Uh, it says, uh, this word of wisdom says this, A good name is to be chosen rather mm. than great riches, mm. and favor is better than mm. silver or gold. And I tried to explain that one to my kids. Um, like, hey, imagine something that you really like, uh, that you would like a lot more of. Okay, what this scripture is saying is that like you just having a good reputation is worth all of that stuff that you want. Hmm. Um, and this is a this is an old proverb. Right? It's thousands and thousands <laughs> of years old, but it, it applies uh, in this way. I think um, is that act in a way that gives you and your family a good reputation. Hmm. Um, and in the in the moment right now where we're at. Uh, a lot of people are more online than they are in person. Um, mm. So there's like this act in a way online that gives you and your family a good reputation. Uh, I know some dear, faithful, kind, generous people that when they get on social media, they say some crazy things. <laughs> and, and I think, what? Uh, you know, like, it's probably fine if it's just me and them. You know, we're having a conversation. Right. Totally fine. Um, but there's this wisdom to reservation, in a sense that there's this wisdom, not for the sake of vanity, really, but uh, for the long-term goal of being able to help others. Uh, so there's, we have this teaching in Philippians 4, verse 5, that says, let your reasonableness be known yeah, it's good. Yeah. to everyone. Yeah. Uh, everyone, that's, that's a large category of people when you say the word everyone. So let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So uh, I guess to, to, to let your reasonableness be known to everyone, it means you have to start with having some reasonableness. Mm. And there's this, uh, there's, this, uh, there's this kind of method that we've taught in the, in the church that 
you know, throughout the duration of your Christian life and your transformed life, as people get to know you, they'll see that you're marked. You know, they'll see there's, they'll see there's something different. You know, through your workforce or through your college, someone will be like, you know, there's just something different about you. Like, why were you able to handle this situation so well? Well, when everyone's at home, and people are only online or on social media, we don't have that same opportunity. So what does happen is the most important thing about your life is what is projected online. So that's why this reservation, this wisdom becomes ever present in a different way that people, if you post about this recipe, people are gonna think, whoa, that person is all about cooking this thing. That looks so good, I want some of it. If you post this crazy political conspiracy idea, people are gonna think that is what's going on with you. They're not gonna see the other parts right. of you that yeah. exist maybe in your home. So there's this wisdom that comes, like a good name is to be chosen. Like you wanna choose a good name rather than have riches. Mm. You wanna choose to have favor rather than silver or gold or, or, or money and possessions. Um, so I, b I believe that as lifelong believers, in a way, and it's not just a way, but as the way, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So as believers in the way, that's not the same as this world. Uh, there can be a visible marking on our personalities and on our lifestyle, on our words, um, and our personalities and preferences when unrefined and untransformed in the mind of Christ, uh, those things can obscure the visible marking on our life that I was just talking about that people might see through like a daily communion or relationship with you. And, 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 and so like this is the mechanism. Christ came to save people. Christ didn't come to condemn people. He didn't come to change their political perspective. He didn't come to influence uh, uh, their recipe endeavors, okay? Like Christ came to save people. So if we're going to say, I have the mind of Christ, we're mm. actually partaking in that vision mm. and in that will yeah. he had for the yeah. world. Yeah. We're partaking in that same desire he had for the world to save people. So I'll read, I'll read this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 19 through 23. Apostle Paul is instructing the church on how to be in their city. He says, for though I am free from all, meaning I don't have vanity issues, uh, I'm not just people pleasing. He's saying, I'm free from all. I have made myself a servant to all. Like just stopping there, we already have this like uh, verbiage that if we're self-reflecting, you know, we can ask our question, a question to ourselves: are we, are we being a servant to all or are we self-serving? Mm -hmm. um, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more. Mm -hmm. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, meaning their nationalistic pride, um, their traditions, their culture. You know, he would in the moment engage on that level so that he could speak the blessings of Jesus to the Jew. To those who were under the law, I became as one under the law, though myself not being under the law, that I may win those under it. To those outside the law, to the, to the people who, who just have no awareness of sense and morality, and, and they're just kind of outside of the law or the natural state that God wanted to work on the earth, he was able to verbalize and relate to them in a way that they didn't write him off, but they could see there, he, they understood each other but he had something to give them. Mm. Um, to the weak, he became weak. To, uh, he became all things 
that by all means he might save some, and he did it all for the sake of the gospel, that he might share with them in its blessings. So the gospel has this blessing that is fulfilled uh, through the working of it in our lives through faith. And all of these things combined start to set up um, a culture that should exist in our family and in our life uh, that is not just marking, but actually intentionally set in ourselves as to override some of our personality issues, mm -hmm. override some of our preference issues, so that we can partake in Jesus's vision for the world, which was to save it. Amen. Good stuff. And, and I want to kind of spring off one phrase that you said, because as you and I were talking this week, and you just said a minute ago, having a good reputation, how valuable that is. Uh, it segues so well into something we're going to get into starting hopefully in the next week or so. Pastor Jamie and I are going to tag team on a four-part series, When Christians Get It Right. We can do it right, guys, and we can change our culture by getting it right and being Jesus-like on the face of the earth. And you know, Pastor Tad's been preaching this to us for a while, and I love how he says it because it so uh, kind of boils down the whole idea of the church in action. Here's what Pastor Tad keeps saying. Be Jesus on the face of the earth. Be Jesus on the face of the earth. And when I think about that, and I, when I think about that scripture, I think about, you know, uh, or that phrase rather, I think about the scripture. Here's what Jesus did. He went around doing good. He went around doing good. Didn't make it difficult. Didn't make it hard. Didn't make it uh, crazy. D didn't act weird, you know. Went around doing good, man. And that's you. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we love the idea of, of how that's described. But let me give you a good practical side of what the Rock of Gainesville is going to do this week. Going around doing good. We're going to team up with I Love New York Pizza and the leadership of Mabalisa Acevedo and the wonderful, wonder administrative help of Jessica Brantley. Jess, you did a great job of helping us down at the hospital. This Wednesday, we're going to go down and we're going to serve 200 and 50 nurses and doctors and 14 uh, nursing units at North Florida. Come on, somebody, and say, yay, God. And we're going to really get out and be Jesus on the face of the earth. And uh, that's what we're going to continue to talk about uh, as we've been talking about the church in action next week when Christians get it right, being Jesus on the face of the earth. Guys, thanks a lot. I appreciate you. Let me pray over these folks and uh, just say again how, how fun it's been to team up with you guys today. And I want to just encourage you before we wrap up today as we get ready to do just a couple of more things. You know, if you're not a part of the church of Jesus Christ, man, it's so simple. Again, Jesus makes things uh, easy not, or simple. Not easy, but simple. And he says in Scripture that if you want to be a part, a follower, a disciple, a believer in Jesus Christ, you call on my name. You ask for the forgiveness of sins, and you make a dedication that he's going to be your Savior and your Lord. And so if that's where you are today, and that's what you're saying, you know, Pastor Ron, I, I, I'm listening to these guys share about so many great things that I need to be a part of. I want my life to tie to, and I want to lead you in a prayer. So let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, just pray with me wherever you are. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to come into my life. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to make my life new, to set me on a new path. Join me to that body of believers called the church. I accept you as my Savior, and I accept you as my Lord. 
And I say, thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins and making my life brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.